even when we say like the slaves were illiterate, no, these were they were not illiterate. They could read their language. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were not absent of the capacity to to read or to know language. They were made illiterate by the systems that um, that they were being forced and subjected to. I feel like a lot of times in, in these spaces where we watch films about slavery, what does not get talked about enough is the identity of white people, the identity of Christians, and the identity of this country. And, um, and I don't want that swept under the rug just because... Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. What up, folks? Leroy Barber, Sit Up Podcast. Um, and as usual, y'all know, we super grateful uh, for you and for you following along in this story for the last uh, this last year. Uh, and my producer, uh, Andrew Morgan, is here uh, and a big part of the work uh, that we are doing. Uh, so we had an opportunity to go see Harriet. Many of you have seen it, uh, and there's a lot of a lot of questions and conversations around it. And so I had the unique opportunity of going to see Harriet. Y'all know I live in Portland, right? So I uh, went to see Harriet with a majority white group uh, and then lead a debrief after it. So we thought uh, that would be cool uh, to uh, to tease out a little bit. And so uh, a couple questions, though, um, even as we get into that. And uh, the first big one was there was some controversy, uh, you know, before we went, like the week before we, we we went, the second week came out. And before we went, folks were like, oh, there's some boycotts going on and you want to go. And so as we listened to those boycotts and listened to those things and read up, I uh, decided, you know, we should still go. We should still, we should still do this and decide for ourselves. And I called some mentors of mine, uh, folks who trained me and taught me and asked them their opinions. And they, they were like, Hey, you need to go make up your own mind, but the movie is worth you seeing and it's worth everybody seeing. Um, it's worth white folks seeing. So, so given that, uh, we still went. But there was a controversy, and the controversy was surrounding artistic expression. What do you think about artistic expression? Do you think it is okay for the writers and the producers to use artistic expression to get a bigger point across that they can't tell, um, you know, the full thing, but they can they can show it artistically in a way. So it's not a fact, right? It didn't happen exactly that way, but it represents something or some things that happened in the struggle. One was the black villain, right? Uh, who ended up, uh, you know, doing some pretty damaging things throughout uh, throughout the movie. I don't want to give away the movie just in case some folks haven't seen it. Uh, but that black villain character was controversial. The other one was, and I want to know what you think about, like, uh, the the fact that the lead who played Harriet was not American. She was British. She wasn't from the U.S., And some folks had real problems with that. Uh, What do you think about that? Do you think it's okay 
Is that appropriation? All these kinds of things, all these conversations came up uh, and I read about as as we were thinking through this. And you know, the one thing that came to 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 Drew and I's mind was, well, what about Idris Alba? He's in a lot of stuff. He's very popular. You think he shouldn't be playing those roles? Anyway, I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to go into too much here. But what do you think about artistic expression? So I was with a predominantly white group. Now, for safety's sake, uh, we are not playing that entire time because you know there are things that were said that need to be protected. We can't. Uh, we can't put all of that out. So you will hear excerpts uh, from that conversation. Here is the first question. What were you feeling walking out of seeing Harriet? What did you feel as a person of color as you walked out of that theater, after you experienced that? What kind of, what kind of feelings were going through you? Anger, right? Shame. What, what, what was happening for you? As a white person, what were you feeling, right? Uh, uh, what was going through you as you took in that, his, that history? What were you feeling? Let us know. Here's a listen in. I felt a lot of shame. Um, not necessarily because of anything that... I personally have done, but because of, well, I guess, yeah, maybe things that I have personally done, but just the character in that story that looks like me and is most resonated with me is the antagonist, right? Um, And so it was pretty brutal (laughs) to have to sit in in that for two plus hours. It's not something that I necessarily would want to go through again. Although it also like I think is important because we don't like move forward together while also understanding in the past how we've hurt each other what do we even do? So, yeah, no, it, it was not how I planned on spending my Sunday afternoon, but <laughs> I'm glad that I did, and I'm glad that I'm here, so. I felt a deep sense of both fear and anger and both of them come from the same place of where we find ourselves with our political climate. I personally, and I'm going to get emotional, I don't understand, and I don't want to offend anybody here in your politics, I don't understand how we went from electing Barack Obama to what we have now and the political climate of such anger and frustration and hatred with this beautiful story being a part of our history, it, I'm just kind of baffled where we're at in our society. And it makes me anger, angry, and it causes me fear. Mm-hmm. 
And I felt um, both grieved and inspired. Um, but the uh, just at the end of the movie, hearing where they um, talked about um, Harriet's life and some of the, the things that she did in her lifetime, I've never heard that. And, and I'm pretty sure I've read like books about her life. So, <laughs> and it just, the, obviously there's many layers of grief in, but um, what struck me was the loss of people's stories. Um, the way people's lives and what they've accomplished because they weren't important. Um, it's been erased and lost. So, like my wife Ginger had mentioned, having read books and having been taught as a child, this is this is someone that is um, a hero in America. But to have it portrayed on the screen and in such a way that I could step into her shoes and begin to feel and think some of the things she was facing, that was new for me. Uh, and to think that people can watch this um, and begin to embrace a true American hero. What's also new for me is trying to define what is freedom. She had to figure this out. She'd never tasted it. She knew she wanted it. She entered into a new society and she realized that some of the people she's now living with had never tasted it. Mm -hmm. So I guess it begs the question for me, what is freedom? Mm -hmm. Have we defined it? Have we really entered into it? I think for me, it was like this tension going back and forth of celebrating um, Harriet and like being encouraged and inspired of like this badass woman um, doing so many things and like wanting to cheer. And then there's like this deep sense of embarrassment that like they're celebrating um, freedom and yet our climate in our country is still facing the same thing. And it's not like ownership of slavery but it's oppression by racism and so it's like this embarrassment that it's like this battle that was fought in a different way is now being fought in like still in this present climate and so it's like both of that of like wanting to celebrate what she did and embarrassed that I'm part of a society that is like still um in tension with this or in yeah there's just so much tension still I think it's always really challenging to see evil so raw. Um, So for me, it's like I just, I don't really want to look at it. Like, this is the evil that we've inherited. um, And it's still going. um, And it's even, you know, it's just hard to be here because, it you know, you'd much rather not have to look at it. So for me, that's super challenging. So here's our second question. What was challenging for you from that movie? What challenged you? What was said or what did you experience or see that challenged your thought? That made you go, I don't know what I think about that. Or that's a new 
thing I need to, I need to wrestle with. What challenged you? Here's a listen in. Um, so again, I was noticing that that was a big thing of who gets to define who we are mm-hmm. and um, what, and I guess in some ways, what is the cost for us choosing our own identity? Um, but definitely in the history of the United States, um, from its founding, um, majority culture has assigned identities to people of color um, and roles. And um, one of the first things I had written down after seeing the film was what were the inherent beliefs and the lies believed that allowed the system to exist? Um, and that I think has to do with identity. Like what was believed about this group of people in order for slavery to exist? Um, where are the inherent lies? And, um, and what was had to be believed by the people themselves or, or came to be believed in some cases or not? So. The scene that stood out to me was when Mac, the guy named Mac, he said that he had used his name Mac and he was beaten senseless by his mm. slave owner for it. Mm. And, and this, this kind of went to like into like a role for me in my head, um, like how people of color are often like they're they're stripped of their identity in order to, for the atrocities that are committed against them to stand without question. Mm. I was thinking of the movie Dumbo. How I don't know if you've ever seen in that movie. The white people all have full faces, and then people who are of like Hispanic or Latina or Asian descent, they have like half faces, and then mm-hmm. all the black people have no faces. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, and there's yeah. com- there's there's been a lot of like commentary on that, whether or not it was intentional by the people who drew it as a social commentary of race at the time. But yeah. basically, it's like saying they don't have an identity because they are a person of color. Mm-hmm. And the whiter you are, the more identity that you are allowed to have. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, terrible, but yeah. interesting that they chose to portray that specific in that scene in Dumbo. Mm-hmm. How they did that with the faces. Mm-hmm. And also, it was really heartbreaking to hear Max say that about himself that he mm-hmm. wasn't just for mentioning saying his own name like I couldn't imagine if I said my name that I would get beaten senseless for yeah. it mm-hmm. I think inherent in um, supremacy is not just the idea of whiteness but it is the roles that get assigned to everybody else that is um, uh, submissive to that and how did that happen? I mean, somebody made a decision that the the natives who lived in this country were not people so that we can therefore justify um, going and doing whatever we want with them and with the land that they own, right? And so from that point on, every, every decision that was made after that was still starting from that premise that came over on a boat that decides this group of people, we decide who is who is um, savage and who is not. Um, 
who is master and who is slave, who is supreme and who is inferior. And, um, and we have the guns and the, the money to make that law. Um, and then everyone else must um, submit to that or die, literally. Um, and that is what has been perpetuated and built into our Declaration of Independence into our rule of law from the founding of these Americas as the United States. Um, and then we have accepted that and lived within that. Um, fortunately, it's not that. Can I go back to your point just about the identity of, of, of white folks at this time and spending more energy on that? Mm -hmm. And I, I just thought that was so, um, yeah, that was so important to tease out because I think I was noticing, and, and it, didn't, it didn't really come up when we were talking about the themes, but the, the other part of Harriet's identity, it, it very much in this context of like this grotesque, you know, what's going on uh, uh, with slavery and how brutal it is and everything, the other part of it is that she went on to lead uh, uh, um, troops in a war. There, there was a violent response, and she also supported other violent slave uprisings. And I think it's 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 very easy to um, maybe sanitize her as a person and, and her identity as this person of like I think there's a grace and, and and having a lot of mercy and stuff too. But in the context of what you just said of what was going on of how people were treating other humans. Mm -hmm that sometimes her response as a devout Christian was, was violence. And I think that makes, mm -hmm. I think that can make people uncomfortable in this space that can make, but I, I thought, I love that they brought that in. And I think that's a part of her identity too. And it's and it's very much responding to the context of the times. And um, yeah, anyways, I, so I think yeah. that that helps to couch and, and situate like yeah. that response yeah. that she was having. Maybe I'm, yeah, anyways. No, I appreciate that. I, th I appreciate the idea that we do have a sanitized version, I think, of Harriet. Even after the movie, I mean, the movie was great and revealing, but even still, you know, unless we dig down, unless we really like sort of go beyond the layers, we don't, we don't, I don't, didn't even think, oh, she's actually helping people fight to kill. That's war, that's what war is. Um, not just the Harriet that helped free people. Um, so yeah, I, I agree that we do have to get past the sad. I think on my, um, my initial thought about not losing track of white identity in this thing, right? I wish, my hope is that every white person that goes to see Harriet or any movie like it is paying as much attention to their ancestors as I'm paying to mine. Mm -hmm. That's what I really hope. Mm. I think the last thing that stood out to me was that it, with identity, that when we choose um, to operate in our God-given identities, we may become unrecognizable mm -hmm. to other people. I thought it was striking that she went to her mother and her mother did not realize, fully realize mm -hmm. who she was. She thought she was a vision. <laughs> yeah, like because she was so transformed in being her own person mm -hmm. that even her mother, because even her mother had been conditioned to see her a certain way, that we have these roles that we play that shape what we look like. And wait, you don't look like, you're not acting like, you're not speaking like that person, so you can't, must not be that person. Um, when we become who 
God created us to be, and often as in conflict with who our nation has said we could be, then we become unrecognizable. And, um, and, and people have to struggle, then what do I do with you mm-hmm. in this new role? One more thing, I was struck too by when she went back, she said, my name is Harriet. Mm-hmm. That person is that baby. This is who I am. And she identified with herself in a different way mm-hmm. once that transformation started to take place. Yeah. I thought that was incredible. Yeah. Here's our next question. What was new? What did you hear that you didn't know before watching this movie, before experiencing it? What new fact, what new thing did you walk away? You know, uh, uh, it's, it's often said that when when we can be constant learners, we stay uh, pretty healthy. So what was new for you? Here's a listen. <laughs> Thank you. Um, can I clarify about the singing? Is that, was that the song, like are those actual songs that we're saying? Those were actual spirituals. Yes. And so it would have been a specific handful of spirituals? There's, there's numerous, like... Basically, the his, the history of spirituals started in those, those spaces totally. uh, where they were used, right, as signs and signals, right, for the Underground Railroad, for folks to escape, for folks to connect across plantations. This It was a subversive way of uh, figuring out that if they if they cloaked these messages in this spiritual space that their their masters or owners wouldn't um my brain's gone confrontational Confrontation. they were they they were they this was a means for escape right and so they had to cloak it in uh, and be subversive about it and, and so slave owners would have communicated like hey if you hear a song yes absolutely so, for real, like, wade in the water, right? So you heard the song, wade in the water. No, like, could you repeat that question? Well, because I was mm-hmm. thinking about, like, the, are, weren't, like, wouldn't there have been, like, field, field hands? Or, like, someone in the field mm-hmm. watching slaves? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, there. absolutely. So if someone was singing, would you? There was a warning about that person. No, that's not what she's I'm not. You got to come to the circle. <laughs> <laughs> What I thought you were asking was, wouldn't the masters know if they're singing the song that that's the message? Yeah. So you're asking, and I would, my guess, I don't know, would be no. I think that, right, that I want to say, I think that black spirituality has often been underestimated. Mm-hmm. So I think they would assume that was nothing. That's just them singing some dumb song mm-hmm. and not seeing the the big, the higher messages in it, um, the deeper meaning, they would have underestimated that um, and not anticipated that that meant anything. That's I don't claim to be an expert on the subject, but didn't the uh, spirituals grow out of uh, hope? among the slave community for a better life and and they became common themes that perhaps were recognized by the owners and by the 
the plantation owners and so on as kind of a work cadence or something like that, but that in fact these were building hope and rooting people's lives in, in the hope for now and for the hereafter. And then also those became employed as a way of communicating on these subjects for now. Uh, I you gotta stand. You can't <laughs> I said I wasn't an expert on this. So no, <laughs> but what I what I like um, for for me the understanding is that these folks brought this this spirituality right. Uh, it was a combination of spirituality that came from Africa with them right. Uh, but used subversively mm -hmm. to escape, mm -hmm. right? That wasn't that that wasn't just a so happened. Mm -hmm. They both, planned that both, both um, physically and also mentally, psychologically, mm -hmm. spiritually, mm -hmm. as far as survival in their situation is concerned. Absolutely, for a variety of reasons. Absolutely, but what I don't want to downplay yes. is it was a means to escape. Yes, <laughs> yes. right. Yes. So uh, the spirituals get lost in that say. space, oh, right? Gotcha. Yeah. They literally were talking about wade in the water, go this way, yes. right? Yeah. So the, we can't get that lost in this space. Okay. Right? So. All right. Thank you. Like doubt and power because like everybody doubted her they were all like she has no power she's a black female how could she ever be doing this she's yeah she was yeah. and everybody thought she couldn't do it but she like because she was a person that they had the least faith in but she had the power to yes. do everything that she did question they said it was Moses, and they believed it was what? A white man. A white man with stuff on his yeah. face, right? What does that tell you about power and how how they missed this deal? They only thought that white people had power and only that men had power. And that who was smarter? White men. Exactly, right? Good job. <laughs> Taking back on the theme of Moses, I thought it was interesting how they showed her at the water, and she had to make a life a, a life and death decision for her. It was freedom or slavery, and to her, slavery was its death, and freedom was life. And I found it interesting that she chose life, and she jumped in the water, and the water happened again when her brother challenged her and said, come with me. But she didn't say anything. She just held the gun up in the air and just went through the water and let them follow her up and make that own decision. Mm -hmm. They had to choose. Are you going to choose life mm -hmm. and get into the water with me? Or are you going to go that way? Mm -hmm. And they had to make a decision as well, and they chose life to freedom and the water. And then she made that another, um, tried to make a choice for her sister, saying, I'm, I'll kill you now. She didn't say it, but she showed the gun, and her sister just said, I'm not leaving my children. And she had to back off and let her, her sister make that decision. She had to allow her to make that choice 
not to choose uh, what she wanted. Cool. How many other people saw the water symbol through the movement? That the the baptisms of the water, right, from slavery to life, right, was coming. So the theme of Exodus in general, just broadly sweeping throughout the whole story. Um, I've done a little bit of studying into, like, one of my professors in college does a lot of studying on the speeches of Martin Luther King Jr. and the Exodus narrative and how that permeated everything in the um, civil rights movement and um, how that, that transition from being slaves and how God is with people who are marginalized or who are slaves. And, like, the ironic thing... That something that I remember from college that's ironic about the, the entire um, the entire so so white slave owners gave their slaves the Bible even though most of them were illiterate they told them stories from the Bible what they didn't realize they were doing is they were arming for lack of a better word them with the narrative that they needed to to exit slavery. <laughs> that's like, and that's part of what, you know, going back to the conversation about um, uh, hymnals or spirituals or, or, or black spirituals, you know, even though it's not my history at all, mm-hmm. um, that, like, white slave owners gave black people the, like, who couldn't read, they gave them the, the story, the, the narrative that would ultimately lead to their freedom and, and like give them the power to persevere and to, to see it through and to like move forward and, and like realize their own humanity and then realize their own equality. And and the, that, that's what's like so deeply ironic about that. What does this say about the Bible or the scriptures or spirituality in that space? What what is that what does it say? I mean you picked up a theme here. I, I just think that it's like for everyone. Like, uh-huh. It's it's not it's not just for the slave, but it's for the slave owner. Like, it's not, it, it, like, God is in the process of reconciling all of us to mm-hmm. him and to each other. And so if we we have a choice in that, like, whether or not we adopt that or not. Um, but, and, and, like, the Bible can be used subversively, and, and like, but it could also be used as a, as a weapon. Like, they thought they had the, tool to keep people enslaved like the words are like slaves obey your masters like they thought that that gave them the power to hold slaves but really what the bible was well what we can look on historically and say that god was doing was freeing the slaves like god frees slaves like that's what he does he takes people out of bondage from bondage into freedom and so and that's open for everyone. It's not. It's not just me or you or anyone. It's, it's everyone. My heart just pounds when you uh, when you bring it up because the the word of God is living, breathing. It lives, and what they did is they opened up the living word of God to their slaves, not realizing that it's living. And um, they just gave it life. Mm-hmm. And um, I once heard a pastor say, this was a pastor in Carlsbad, California. Um, and he said from his experience, a lot of times he gives a sermon and the Holy Spirit overspeaks. Mm-hmm. 
And what he said is that uh, what he said is not what people heard. It's what they heard speaking, coming from him, but from the Holy Spirit. And I think that's what the Word does. It speaks to people as God intends it to speak to them. And, and I totally miss that. That's incredible. So where was this Bible, this faith, formed? Where, where did it start? On the boats when they came over. In the movie or in general? In general. Faith, the Bible. You're talking a lot about this this idea of faith and the Bible and living and all of that kind of stuff. Where where did we get that? The book, actual the book or the itself? spirituality? Both. Where did it come from? <laughs> I don't I don't know. I, I know the book. Sure I understand was the question. Cool. So, my, <laughs> kind of came from the margin. There we are! <laughs> like, the, kind of the same we were talking about, like, spiritual songs came from out of this, like, oppression, out of the, all that stuff. Then I feel like a long time ago, the Bible kind of came from those same spaces. You mentioned Exodus, you mentioned the Bible, yep. right? These places where the, the foundations of our faith were formed, Christianity was formed at the margins. Right? So they mistakenly gave this living thing to people who were owned on the margins. And what did it do? It worked because that's <laughs> where it comes from. Right? That's where it was formed. Right? That's where the story of Exodus blossoms in this idea that this Bible, this scripture, this living faith, right, is a liberating word for those who live on the margins. To understand it, we got to get back to where, right, it was constructed. Right? Go. Go. Uh, just one thing that I thought was actually the difference between uh, perceived power and the power that comes from God's purpose. Mm. It's like totally that that's actually where real power is. And the people that thought that they had power actually were powerless um, against that kind of, uh, of purpose, the strength of purpose that it kind of gives you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you ran. <laughs> you leave it, huh? All right. Well, I'll All right, hurry there. Somebody else got jumping in. I, I'm, I'm not being. <laughs> I just, I just felt like I wanted to respond to one thing. The perception oh, that. Oh, respond to him. You gotta come in. <laughs> that. Um, the belief that they should be free was given to them um, by the uh, white slave owners um, through the Bible. I think perhaps rather that the belief was affirmed. I think that because otherwise it would suggest that they thought inherently that they should have been owned and then they discovered that they shouldn't. I think Harriet knew inherently that she should not have been. She knew inherently that as created in the image of God, she was supposed to be free. The Bible just affirmed that for them, didn't give that to them. That's okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, if I can clarify. You're uncertain. Um, the, 
the Bible was given to them, and the irony of it, from what I, I guess what I was trying to say is, like the the Bible was given to them as a tool that was supposed to be used to keep them oppressed. Right. But the irony of that is that it was actually the tool that allowed them to realize their own. Let's see that allowed them to realize mm-hmm. is the, the Bible, thing that I'm the, not the white slave owners, but I right. But it sounds like as if. Prior to the slave owner giving it to the slave, okay. they thought otherwise. And what I'm saying is, and I thought what Leroy was alluding to, that before they got to America, mm-hmm. yeah. it is possible they already had God. Absolutely. Right? So they came, and here was an English right. word that affirmed what they may have already brought with them. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Which is different. Yeah. So I'm just saying... I agree, except with the realization thing that still can, under that, suggest that the master gave us freedom. Yeah. It was the master who was realizing that these people were free. Yeah. Does that make sense? Finally, folks, what new ways of living in the world will you start to practice now that you've seen this film like what will what will hit the ground for you here you go this is the final 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 thought i picked this because um just over the last year or so i um i've started to work within myself to watch my language about um, identity when it comes to this, like when it comes to the period of slavery and things that were birthed out of it. And so like, um, I tried really hard to like not call uh, my ancestors slaves because they were people for two reasons. One, to just like call them slaves. Um, They were people who were enslaved. They were not slaves. They were not like, there's a class of people called slaves. I, I feel like, and I don't want to just call my ancestors slaves, number one. And two, I feel like to just call them slaves or to not use the language, not use the word like enslaved is to let the people who did it off the hook. It's like all of a sudden black people woke up and just were slaves as if nobody did that to them. And so I feel like a lot of times in movies like this and in conversations like this, a lot of a lot of energy gets poured into the identity of black people and the identity, be it good, bad, or otherwise, the identity of black people and the identity of people of color, and not so much on the identity of white people who are represented in this in this film as well. And so, um, um, even like even with, and I'm not trying just to be a, a, a language police or whatever, but like even when we say like the slaves were illiterate, no, these are. They were not illiterate. They could read their language. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were not absent of the capacity to to read or to know language. They were made illiterate by the systems that um, that they were being forced and subjected to. And so for me, I, I feel like a lot of times in, in these spaces where we watch films about slavery or films about people who were, you know, like Harriet, um, what does not get talked about enough is the identity of white people, the identity of Christians, and the identity of this country. Mm-hmm. And um, and I don't want that swept under the rug just because we, um, 
elevate and celebrate the courage and all that stuff of these particular people like Harriet. I don't want the diabolicalness <laughs> of the other identities represented to, to just sort of be passively swept over. Mm -hmm. Good point. I live around homeless people who identities for whatever reason has, they um, feel not worthy, they're very humble, a lot of them, not all of them, but the ones that I've worked with, um, they don't feel like they deserve to be treated well. Mm -hmm. And why? Mm -hmm. Why is that? What, what have other human beings done to them for them to lose their self-dignity and respect for themselves? And, um, and then when I've, you know, being in the position that I am as a white female and, and I've, uh, I've had money and I've not had money, um, seeing how my peers treat other people, not just black people, but also just people who are less in a, in a different social economic status than they are. Um, why? Why do we get to decide to treat another human being like they're less than we are? And who gives that right? How did that happen? How did, um, how did we come to I mean, and then I think when you were speaking, I think of Hitler. How did he do that? How did he turn a whole country around to view other other human beings as less significant than their own race? And and where does it? How, how can can it be turned around, uh, back around to the the other way? And and I feel um, frustrated and and hurt to see just other human beings treat other human beings as, as if they're just less, just because they don't do or make the money that they make or wear the clothes that they wear. Um, why is that? How does that, how do we allow that to happen? Um, and, and the thing that touched me about Harriet is that she had people telling her, you can't do that. And she said, oh yes, I can and I will. Um, and I know that with myself, just my own weakness, I know I'm over five minutes, with my own weakness, do I stand up and say, you know, no, that's not okay. It's not okay to talk to that person like that. It's not okay to um, make a judgment just because you're in a different status or place. Who gets to decide? Who gets to be on top? or? where in the totem pole everybody is. I think, it, I think like, for me, um, I think, like, oftentimes, it's like, yeah, we only give the people with titles power, but, like, as I'm learning, too, like, the perceived power, like, I have to recognize that I am the race of power, and so, like, if I only say, like, oh, it's the people in power making these decisions, or, like, like, you brought up our criminal, like, not justice, but like our criminal systems. Like if I'm only saying like, oh, it's police brutality, it's only them with the power. Right. Um, I'm missing that I have power in this. So like my identity is that I'm a white person. And so like, 
it was interesting to me, like, even thinking about the movie, like, there's, like, significant points where, like, when she gets into Philadelphia and he's like, no, you gotta walk, like, you need, like, you, you deserve to be here, and, like, how she can walk with that. And then also, like, um, the white farmers, who it's like, they could have turned their eye and just was like, you can pass through here, but they, like, took on, like, this real sense of power is like, we can actually help you. And so like doing a part in it rather than just like kind of glossing it over. And so like, even what you're saying about like the current political climate, like I can say, oh, I don't have any influence. Like I don't have, you know, like I'm not in politics, but it's like, but am I doing the part that I have power within like my social circle circles or like at my job, like it comes up a lot. Like, am I doing, Am I looking where I have power rather than only places with titles? I think. Like we we can change the rule of law, but we but and this is something that I'm obviously wrestling with. Like we could we could change the law itself. Like we could all agree to change the law. That's one of the beauties of our constitution. But until we actually start to like listen to the stories of other people that are different than us. We're never going to understand or be able to begin the process of reconciliation. I, we can't. We can't like. And again, I I feel like this isn't necessarily even my place to say, but like we, the only way that this would ever this this American experiment is ever going to work is if we actually listen to each other. If we actually like take the time to share our lived experience, share, share our story, cite our personal stories, like cite our narrative and, and our lived experience, and then be able to say, and look at somebody else that's different than us and say, wow, you went through that too. Me, me too. Let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's like hug, you know, let's embrace each other. Let's, let's, let's mourn each other's like experiences but then let's also like move forward together and how can I help you how can we how can we do this together in the future and 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 like how can we reconcile the past but how can we just how can we make the future better for everyone well folks that was a look in uh from one group of people about 30 in the room uh who went to experience this film together Uh, Thanks for listening in, and we hope it spurred on some questions for you. Remember, you've got to contextualize a lot of this stuff. So that was our context. That was the group that went on that particular night uh, with these particular people, and this is what we walked out with. Hopefully the group that you go to see it with, the folks you experience it with, that you have a chance to process just the same. This is the Sit Up Podcast. I'm Leroy Barber. Let's begin. Live life like you know the clock's ticking. On your mark, get set, ready. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin.